listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. for you this past weekend, huh? Yeah. I, mean, I was away. I had to go to a hockey tournament and, uh, and watch 11 and 12-year-olds run around and, and, and hit pucks in weird ways and bounce off the boards and inadvertently like collide with each other. I, I, spent, I spent my whole weekend watching that. You got to watch people collide with each other on purpose at Warrior Wrestling, right? Yeah, but from ages 20 to 45 or so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of really, really intense weekend, really awesome weekend again at Warrior Wrestling 8. Marion Catholic High School in Chicago Heights. Big story of the weekend was the main event, the War of Attrition match, where Brian Cage awarded the title to the winner because he has a bicep injury and he won't be wrestling for a while, so he's basically had to vacate the title. And the winner of that match was, get ready for this, guy who wasn't even scheduled to be in the match. Brian Pillman Jr. is your new Warrior Wrestling champion that's amazing to me yeah you were supposed to sit down and talk with him and then all of a sudden like this happens and it was like his night got really busy really yes, fast yes it right? did yeah we were supposed to do uh, we were going to try to do an interview before the show at the vip fan fest but before that got started somebody rolled out a basketball into the auxiliary gym and he decides to start playing pickup basketball so that's how his night started then he has this match with bully ray aka bubba ray dudley and they had this great interchange on social media promos uh, just cutting each other was there up. a table uh yeah we'll get to that in a second okay, okay um they cut each other up um bully brings uh brian's dad into it pillman gets ticked you know and then they they come together at the show bully's like you disrespected me and then he makes it into a chicago street fight into, into which pillman agrees they have this big fight maybe 10 15 minutes big brawl table comes out Bully puts Pillman through the table, pins him for the three counts. Okay, Pillman's probably done for the night. He's not coming right, back. Right, he got put through a table and pinned. Yeah, and then yeah. we were supposed to meet possibly at intermission, and I didn't see him come out, so I'm like, okay, maybe he's uh, getting a little extra treatment. He did have a really physical match with Bully. So, you know, maybe after the show, maybe just another time. And then the War of Attrition's their main event. That begins. And then we have um, Sam Adonis comes to the ring, Michael Elgin, Andrew Everett. Lance Archer, Black Taurus, Aramis. Those are the six guys we know are in the match. The seventh guy ends up being Frank the Clown because Alex Zane was injured recently within the last week or two before the show, so he had to pull out of the show. So earlier in the night, Robert Eagle and Anthony had a match with Warhorse. He won the match over Warhorse, and he declares that I'm going to be in the match. That's his ego talking. But then he turns to the crowd and is like, you don't deserve to see me wrestle twice. So I'm leaving and I'm giving my spot to Frank. So that's how Frank the Clown ends so up in the So that's how match. he ends up in it. Yeah. So this, 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 this is a good night because there's lots of swerves. Yeah. And then the last guy who was, put, he was picked by Brian Cage and Cage comes out with the belt, starts talking about how he loves Warrior Wrestling. It's one of his favorite promotions to come to and work for. And then he introduces Pillman. He says he showed a lot of spirit. You know, he deserves the chance. Now he's in the match. And basically the match is three stages. 
first stage is a four-on-four, second stage is a two-on-two tag match, and the last stage is the one-on-one for the title. Right. So it starts off with Pillman, Sam Adonis, Michael Elgin, and Andrew Everett. Now, this is um, te- these are teams put together by blind draw for this first segment. And then they're facing Lance Archer, Black Taurus, Aramis, and Frank. So <laughs> that's an interesting little uh, four versus four. And at the end of that, Michael Elgin ends up pinning Black Taurus. So then for stage two, uh, Elgin went ahead and picked his own partner for that. That was the stipulation of recording the fall for the first stage. He picks Andrew Everett, which might have been kind of a foolish move because right at the very end of that first stage, Lance Archer gets ticked off. He's pissed at Frank for laying on the floor after he get knocked out by one shot. He's angry. He goes up to Andrew Everett and just choke slams him. And he's laying out. And despite the fact that that happened, Elgin still picked him because he didn't want to be with Adonis because they had a knockdown drag out at Warrior 7. Okay. And he didn't pick Pillman for whatever reason, maybe because he thought he was fatigued or whatever. So he picks Everett. Then they do the tag match. Adonis hits a, four, a beautifully timed 450 splash on Everett to pin him. And this sets up the final stage. Brian Pillman Jr. versus Sam Adonis. And Sam's a guy who we've talked about before on the show. He's Corey Graves' brother. He's based out of Pittsburgh. He's not really well-known in the United States. Um, he wrestles a lot in Mexico and Japan, but he's probably one of the better heels you've never seen. I mean, this guy knows how to work a crowd, great psychology. He's gotten himself into really, really good shape, too. He's dropped probably maybe 60, 65 pounds over the last several years, gotten himself into really good shape. He's 6'4", 235. He's a guy who could be on a WWE or an AEW radar within the next few years, possibly. He busted his ass in this final match, as did Pillman. It was an absolutely amazing, amazing match. Great storytelling to get, you know, to see Pillman go through the adversity that he went through. Did Pillman look like he had gotten his butt kicked when he came out? Like, is it one of those things that comes out with like a bandage on and stuff like that? He came out kind of dragging, holding his side. Okay. All right. Selling the table. So he sells that. Yeah. Okay. Totally. And then then he got beat up and, and this final could have gone any which way, because I believe both those guys are among the best that warriors got in terms of guys that they bring in on a regular basis. Really cool to see Pillman win the title, especially after Bully cut a promo on him after their match earlier in the show saying, you're not ready yet, kid. You're not, you're not there. You have a long way to go. But he did show some balls. So at least Bully did endorse him a little bit. He did put him over a little bit, even though Bully won the match. Yeah, he put that. That's the whole thing. And it totally sets up like the comeback hero yeah. storyline of like he lost his match, got put through a table. You know, the, he's got the respect of the guy that he was fighting with, but he's not ready yet. And then he comes out and shows, I am ready, because he gets to hoist the thing at the end. That was a really cool moment. Yeah. And, and both guys were awesome. And real quick, let's get into some other stuff on that show. Um, we had Tessa Blanchard survived her War of Attrition match. She ended up winning it. I kind of felt like that was going to happen. Yeah. She, yeah. Her, her four-woman team to start that match was uh, Tessa with Taya Valkyrie, who just recently lost the Impact Women's Knockout Championship. Longtime Impact wrestler Madison Rain and current AEW star Britt Baker. They're all in one team. That's like an all-star team right there. And then the other team was Chicago's Kylie Ray, Big Swole, who just joined AEW recently, Tasha Steeles, and Ray Lynn, who's also wrestles out of Pittsburgh and wrestles for a lot of indie companies all over the world. It was kind of a cool uh, mixture of talent there. First stage, Britt Baker made Ray Lynn submit. So Britt Baker ended up choosing Madison Rain for the second phase. And then it was Blanchard and Valkyrie as a team. 
That was a heck of a two-on-two. And then Taya ends up uh, pinning Madison Rain. That makes the final, of course. Tessa Blanchard, Taya Valkyrie. And after a heck of a brawl, I mean, Tessa and Taya went all over the gym. I mean, they're using chairs. They're like flying all over by the bleachers. You know, Tessa was wrapping Taya's fingers around posts and stuff like that. Tessa finally um, gets the gets the victory, gets the pin. Uh, great match. Um, I'm not sure where they're going with her after this. Um, they could have a rematch with Taya. I mean, maybe they bring Jordan Grace back for uh, a rematch. And some of these other women, too. I mean, they really showed. I mean, probably the most women they've ever had at a Warrior show. It's a great testament to their talents as well. Quick question for you, because you got, you know, you, you've just described like some really intense matches. You're around these guys, you know, and, and girls, like beginning of matches, sometimes end of matches. You see them at different things. How bad are, do they actually look beat up after some, one of those things? Is it like one of those things where, okay, the lights come off. Do they still look like they're just destroyed? Or is it like one of those things where they're like, all right, I got some pains. I took some Advil and I'm just, I'm, I'm good. I'm actually so glad you asked me that question, which kind of segues into a story, which I was going to get into later, but well, I might as well bring it along now. After the show, um, I was asked to drive some wrestlers back to their hotel. And you, you didn't record them while you were in the car? We no. Could have done our, we could have done our very own uh, ride uh, drive-along. Ride-along, yeah. right. We could have done a Windy City Slam ride-along. <laughs> no, I really didn't want to do that with these guys, especially <laughs> the one guy I had in my car, because he was probably exhausted as heck. I mean, I mean, And that was? It was Sam Adonis. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I actually went up to Sam before the show, and I, I told him, you know, I talked to Steve, and Steve wanted to, you know, some of us to drive you guys after the show. So basically it was Sam, it was a Japanese wrestler, Ren Narita, who wrestled on the card earlier, who lost to Alex Shelley, and Ray Lin, who was in the women's match. So it was the three of, uh, four of us with the three wrestlers in the car. Ren really didn't say anything since he probably doesn't know a whole lot of English, but they were at the same hotel, so they decided to do a little tag along. Sam sat in a uh, shotgun, you know, he's, he's the bigger guy, 6'4", 235, and then Ray was uh, behind me on the driver's side. And we had some interesting conversation. And then, as you were saying, do they look beat up after the show? Sam and I look beat up. I mean, yeah. that guy had his working shoes on. He took some sick bumps, doing flips over the ropes, you know, taking some heavy shots from guys like Michael Elgin and Lance Archer. It, he was hobbling. He was holding his back. He was very thankful for the, um, the seat warmer that I had that uh, warms up the lower lumbar because I think that really helped him. Okay. Recover a little you, bit. Like we just mentioned, we mentioned Ride Along on WWE Network, yeah. right? And it they always seem to pick somebody that doesn't look like they just got destroyed. That Because they're, they're they're in there. They've got makeup on. You know, they're ready for television and stuff like mm-hmm. that. They don't look like they're sore when they get in a car. You know, they, they look like, they look like, okay, it's over. And they just get in the car and they're giggling and they get their suitcase and they go get a sandwich and they yeah. drive down the road. And it's like, you know, they, they don't look like they're in a lot of pain when you watch that show. So you're telling me much different in your version of Ride Along. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it is, it is. And then when they did stop at a Speedway and uh, I gave Sam my uh, Speedy Rewards tag. So if, when he bought something, he gets points for me. So that was kind of cool. That was good. Good. Yeah. It's awesome. Worked out for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Southsiders, are you White Sox fans? The number one most downloaded White Sox podcast, according to Podbean.com is Socks in the Basement, and it's part of the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. Insider interviews, stat breakdowns, and coverage year-round. Join me and my buddy Dave and all kinds of great guests each and every week for 30 minutes of Socks, 
It's found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. And uh, back, back to Warrior real quick. I just want to run down what else happened on the show. We had this six-man match. It was incredible. Even before they got in the ring, the fans were, were chanting all these guys. It's the Stronghearts, who you've seen in AEW and in OWE, which is a promotion in, in Asia. And they defeated the Rascals in an incredible match where guys were just flying around. And then at one point, poor um, Desmond Xavier of the Rascals was getting chopped in the chest. He got chopped so hard at one point, I believe by Shima, that his partners, um, Trey and Zach, jumped out of the ring and jumped into the crowd because they're like, oh my God, we don't want to get hit like that either. And then uh, we had Robert Ego and Anthony beating Warhorse. And then uh, Ego's real reason for not saying is actually actually took a car, went to Berwyn Championship Wrestling later that night. Wow. Double booked himself. Wow. Uh, that Alex, guy works. And then Alex Shelley defeated Ren Narita. And Jonathan Gresham defeated Daga, who's Tessa Blanchard's um, fiance in a technical classic. It was a great match. Um, you could tell Jonathan Gresham was a great amateur wrestler just by what he did. And then there was a Lucha match that opened up the main card. Cavanario defeated Templario. Now, Cavanario is this luchador who does like a caveman gimmick. Came out with a Fred Flintstone shirt and everything. It was really, really cool. Tag match they had was the North, who are the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Champions. Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, they defeated Shane Saber and Mark Wheeler. So not the full Space Pirates team. Wheeler had to suffer a space monkey because he had a little bit of an injury. Monkey was there. He did the fan fest. Uh, he was out at ringside with those guys, but unfortunately, we couldn't get to see him perform. Shifting to a, another local show real quick before we get into some of the national stuff. Berwyn Championship Wrestling crowned a new champion sa- uh, on Saturday night. The heartthrob Jaden became a two-time BCW champion, and he defeated Shogun Chris Logan. All right, that's awesome. That's all the local stuff. Very right cool, least, very cool. You know, the stuff that happened. We'll get to some more stuff at the end. Looking at some news this week, and I don't know if you saw this, but there's uh, Ringside News put it out. Okay. They, there's, a, there's a former WWE guy. There's a, I, I've never heard of this guy, so maybe you can help me out with okay. this. The Reverend Jeremiah Constantine. Mm. You don't know who that is? Uh, doesn't ring a bell. All right, so <laughs> that's what I said. Name. I don't know who this guy is. He... he, he According to, this is from the article from Ringside News, they actually say one former superstar claims that the company hacked his ideas for Bray Wyatt and Seth Rollins, okay? He claims that he sent (laughs) WWE a tape full of segment ideas. One was a religious gimmick that he believes is now what the Monday Night Messiah has become, and that the Firefly Funhouse thing also seems to be lifted from one of his other spots that he sends WWE. The fact, though, that I don't really know who this guy is just screams to me like, did he throw like 500 ideas at the wall and like two of them ended up showing up years later? Like, I don't know if that's stealing, you know? I don't know. to me like I'm a noob. As somebody who did morning radio, I learned very quickly that if I was doing some kind of bit out in California, that didn't mean that somebody else wasn't going to put their take on it in mm-hmm. Florida. You know, it didn't mean that if if I heard that somebody used their stunt guy and hung him like from like an apparatus from a light post, 
to get a billboard in Minneapolis than in Reno, Nevada. I would duct tape my guy to a light post. I, you know, <laughs> nobody sat there and said, you stole my bit. Everybody just kind of figured that's how it goes. There's only so many bits mm-hmm. in the world. There's only so many jokes. There's only so yeah. many comedy routines. Eventually, it's all been done, and then you're just doing variations of it. So how much do guys really get like protective of things that they're doing because it seems like we've talked about it in the in a previous show. It seems like there's a lot of stuff that Bray's doing that is very similar to what uh, Finn Balor the was demon, doing with yes. the demon. You see yeah. what I'm saying? So, so like that's how, how protective are guys of that stuff? And is it really a thing where guys get stuff stolen or did they get too sensitive because stuff is just close to what they were doing? I think some guys do get a little sensitive. Uh, I mean, superstar Billy Graham came out uh, a few years ago saying that like, Oh, Hogan uh, stole my stuff, or Jesse Ventura stole my stuff with the, the attire or the attitude, the promos, you know, all that. It, this is this is professional wrestling. This is something that's been going on since the beginning of the sport. It's ideas are always stolen. Guys are always, you know, some guys are always protective about their ideas, and they get all anal retentive about, you know, that's mine, that's mine. Professional wrestling borrows and steals from everybody. I mean, Ric Flair draws from Gorgeous George. And Muhammad Ali and stuff like Dusty Rhodes draws from like a Muhammad Ali. I mean, all these guys have their ideas from somebody else. I mean, yeah. Even Daniel Bryan yeah. kind of looks like the ultimate warrior when he's pumping himself back sure. up after he's gotten his butt yeah. He's almost doing the warrior shake with his fist, right? Yeah, and even go back to warrior wrestling, Warhorse, you know, is, is a local guy, uh, wrestles a lot in Northwest Indiana, he's based in St. Louis, paints his face, kind of looks like the ultimate warrior, does like a kind of a rock and head gimmick thing. Which kind of reminds you a little bit of Ultimate Warrior as right. well. I mean, yeah, little bits and pieces are incorporated into every guy's yeah, thing. I'm sure there's some guy working some local scene who calls himself the Grave Digger. <laughs> <laughs> I think they actually had somebody years ago on the independent I, scene. That I'm sure that. they did. I finally figured out who uh, Reverend Jeremiah Constantine is. That's his new name because clearly Abraham Washington was owned oh, by WWE. Right. So he yeah. can't call himself Abraham Washington. I know who Abraham Washington okay, is. Okay, so that's who it is. He yeah. feels like the... the I actually the, met him. The WWE is uh, ripping him off uh, with uh, with those bits. So that's very... So if you bump into your, your buddy Abraham Washington <laughs> again, get some more details for us. I actually right? met him, uh, true story, about 10 and a half years ago. My wife and I were uh, just hanging... Uh, we were just starting the date at that point, just, just before we got engaged. So we went to a TGI Fridays in Rosemount, where I live not far from there, and actually WWE was in town that night. So we run into Drew McIntyre, Abraham Washington. Back Ty- in the day, Drew McIntyre, yes. too. Yeah. This is 11 years ago, almost. Before he was a beast. Yeah, and Tyler Rex, and then um, Savannah, uh, one of the late, uh, women interviewers at that point. Okay. And they're all cool. They're waiting in the lobby. I recognized like the three guys right away, and so uh, I kind of like, excuse me, can I... Um, and I say hello, and then uh, eventually get a picture. I get pictures with him. Right. Drew was really cool, and actually all of them were. Abraham was cool. I, I loved his shtick back when he was in WWE. Now, what happened with him, fortunately, he had a gimmick where he um had like a headset on at ringside and would like talk during matches. He was like a manager type guy, and he also had like a talk show too. And he said something about Kobe Bryant in Veil or whatever, and uh, WWE really didn't like that. And that's interesting, kind of how he lost his job there. Okay, first of all, that's interesting because based upon what they did in the Attitude Era, I can't believe you know for them to all of a sudden get high and and mighty with, with anything yeah. like, anything along any lines is, is always shocking to me. But then the other thing is that like okay, so he's a guy 
he left and is probably angry at WWE Possibly. because of why he yeah. was tossed. Yeah. So that again, that you throw that back on light of the hey, they could have they could have looked at the tape and Vince could have been like, "This is good stuff. This is good stuff. Get this to the head writer." You don't know. You yeah. have no idea if that's what he did. But I'm just saying it's pretty hard. That's to prove. That's a great idea. It's I came up with hard. it myself. It's pretty hard to prove. You know, I mean, it's. It, I would think it is a very very difficult thing to prove. Let's run with it, pal. <laughs> That actually was really, really cool. I'm glad you found out that was Abraham Washington. Oh, that's awesome. Well, hey, I got to be here for something. So, <laughs> so what's going on here nationally? You want to talk AEW? You want to yeah, talk WWE? Let's talk NXT TakeOver real okay, quick. Okay, NXT TakeOver. From, from last night, they actually did it on Sunday rather than on Saturday. And it wasn't hooked to a WWE pay-per-view event, which I thought was really cool. Kind of gave them their own space. They're up in Portland on Sunday night. And the main event saw Adam Cole defeat Tomasa Ciampa to retain the NXT Championship. After Ciampa's old buddy, Johnny Gargano, uh, grabbed the belt and hit Ciampa with the belt. I mean, this was a feud that they had about a year and a half or two years ago where Ciampa had turned on Gargano originally. They had these three great matches at takeovers, and eventually they came friendly again. And now it looks like Gargano is the one that's going heel. Okay. So it looks like they're going back to that feud for the future takeover. And a couple other matches I want to hit on real quick. Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, two big men. And you like Keith Lee a lot. Yeah, Keith Lee is great. And I so, know you so do. is Dijakovic. Okay. I mean, I could watch those two work all day, all night. Why? I mean, two big guys that can fly, they can wrestle. So they're, they they're can not tell just stories. big giant lumps. They're no. good at it, what they're doing, yeah. and they happen to be Keith big. Keith Lee's like 6'4, uh, 330 pounds. Dijakovic's like maybe 6'5, six, 6'6, six, six, 275, and they move like cruiserweights. Right, and they, and they can and they can do big men moves too, which is awesome. They they have a diversified offense, and, and their talents are so great, and and they have great chemistry. Great match again from them. I could watch a best of seven with those two guys, and then also too the Broserweights, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne. They defeated Undisputed Era, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly for the NXT Tag Team Titles. So that was the big title change on the night, and Rhea Ripley. Retained the NXT Women's Title by beating Bianca Belair, and at the end, Charlotte Flair showed up, came out, attacked this both is women. Yeah, this makes sense too for WWE because they they have their they have their understudy program. Really, NXT mm-hmm. is the one that's up against AEW, and it makes so much sense to be like, nope, this is at the exact same level as Raw and SmackDown. So we are now going to have. Somebody want the NXT title mm-hmm. from one of those things to continue to add legitimacy to it, so they have a real brand, the best brand they could possibly have up against AEW. Yeah, Vince is no fool here. He's not. He's he's basically he's he's holding on to every part of the line here with this thing. I, I, I that's what I kind of feel. Who's making that choice though? Because if they are going, if it is NXT, which is a Triple H thing, okay, yep. and you have Raw, which you know Vince is going to be heavily involved in. Where does that boil down to? Like, is Vince going to be like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna work with NXT, but I'm not I'm not having Charlotte lose. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's what I'll be curious to see how it all works out because you're gonna have these two guys who are doing things kind of differently, mm-hmm. and they're gonna have they're gonna have this championship match. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Yeah, I think it, uh, Vince wants it as a vehicle for um, NXT to compete a little bit more with AEW, see more guest appearances from Charlotte, and maybe Charlotte does win the title at WrestleMania. And then she's on Raw, and then she's also on NXT defending the title. I think that would be a really that cool concept. That probably makes a lot of sense, yeah. right? Because then mm-hmm. she sits there, and she's, and then now you have that name that's walking around there, and they, they might do that. It'd be yeah. interesting. But I always think about what happens down the line. If, if an NXT person can't beat somebody from Raw or SmackDown eventually, 
they're they're the miners. Mm-hmm. And you, you, so that, that's the tightrope that you have to walk. What else is going on? We got something uh, AEW. AEW, okay. absolutely. We're on the road to Revolution in Chicago. That's February 29th, uh, less than two weeks away. And this week on Dynamite, we have Cody Rhodes facing Wardlow in the first ever cage match in AEW history. Now, this is the final obstacle for Cody Rhodes before he faces MJF at Revolution. So basically, if he survives this, the match is 100% official. Well, he's going to survive it. Yeah, we know know? he will. We know he's surviving it. Yeah. It'll just be interesting to see, like, what happens in the cage match that, like, you know, what what the swerves are. This is an interesting storyline because the swerves that could happen are just Mm -hmm. so many different ways things can go. We have other guys coming into the ring to interfere. I mean, right. Uh, he has uh, MJF has a little bit of affiliation with the Butcher and the Blade and the Bunny, so maybe the Butcher and the Blade come in and try to interfere in the match to help Wardlow get the win or whatever. I keep hurt, waiting hurt for the Cody. technicality where he's going to yep. sit there and say, "Well, technically, I you you screwed up this one little thing." Yeah. You know, I keep waiting for the technicality, and that's going to be the thing that I think will be the storyline that they run into the day of. And the other thing from AEW, I want to press on uh, real quick. Britt Baker, the last couple of weeks, we she had that really kind of awkward promo on the sh- uh, ship of Jericho for the cruise uh, episode of Dynamite. That they oh, then talked about on the next episode, like how bad it was. The, like they, they were right out in front of it. The last two weeks, though, she has found her voice. She is outstanding. I mean, great heel promos, pretentious, cocky heel, bringing up dental terms since she's a real life dentist. She's talking over everybody. I love the way they're going with Britt Baker now with those promos. Okay. And then real quick, Raw and SmackDown before we get to the local stuff that's coming up. The main thing on Raw, which was kind of interesting, was Shayna Baszler came out and attacked Becky Lynch after Becky's match with Asuka. And she beat her up a little bit, put her in the Kurakuna clutch. Then bit her. And then bit her in the back of the neck. Yeah. Drawing blood. Now that's weird. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy stuff, I thought man. that was a really weird turn. Yeah. You know? And, and then, like, Wasn't what, expecting what, it. What is she then? Is she, the, uh, like, the newest member of the brood? Like, what... <laughs> yeah, where's what? Kevin Thorne and, <laughs> um, and Kane Grell? Where's Kane Grell? Like, is he going to come walking out now with his cup of blood? The like, cup, yep. I don't... The little elevator entrance. I don't and... <laughs> get that. It's just so weird. And I they, mean, she didn't really bite her in the neck. It's got to be like a blood yeah, capsule thing. There was most, a lot of blood there. It had there. to be a gimmick there, Yeah, I'm it sure. has to be a total gimmick thing yeah. on that one. But I, that was a, such a strange turn to a storyline. You almost want to watch it because you want to see well, where are they going with it. But who knows? Like, Edge is back. Remember? He was a, he was a member of it. Now, all of a sudden, yeah, like, he's maybe, part of the brew, too. Yeah, right, he was. He's part of the brew. Yeah. Remember? He comes walking out now, all of a sudden, with his vampire teeth in. Like, who knows? What's going to happen? <laughs> and then, real quick, SmackDown, the, the top thing that stood out for me was poor Otis. Uh, Mandy Rose had the date set up, man. She's waiting for Otis to get to the restaurant. Otis is like taking his time getting ready. And when Otis gets there, Dolph Ziggler sits at the table with Mandy. Oh no. He sees it, drops the roses, walks out. Oh, no no. idea where it's going, but sad day for big Otis. Poor Otis. (laughs) This is like one of my favorite storylines. This goes all the way back to Elizabeth with macho man. Like, you know, this is like, this is like one of those things they go back to the well with all the time. Elizabeth. Where like the guy who doesn't look like he could date the girl. Mm-hmm. Who's who the one? Who's the one that, that that was going after Elizabeth? That George was like the, the Animal Steel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, and it was like Elizabeth. Right, right. And it was just, it was like, why would she date this freak? But she kind of liked it. Yeah, you know, she was right? kind of smitten. Right? Yeah, kind of smitten. It's totally a, like they've that. They've gone totally back to that. This Thirty-three is like, years later, this is an old school <laughs> wrestling storyline that they have brought back with these two, and I I recognize it right away. Yeah, and I just 
I hope they do it justice because it'll be a lot of fun. All right, we got about uh, two, three minutes here. Let's, let's wrap up with some local stuff. All right, we got coming attractions. Um, AAW, Friday night at Logan Square Auditorium. Their usual stacked lineup, some of the best indie talent around, including Mance Warner's championship celebration. And then Sammy Callahan was just announced for that show. So it was interesting to see if Sammy Callahan, the former AAW champion, comes to crash the party. Also on that card, we have TJ Perkins against ACH in a matchup of two former WWE cruiserweights. So that should be an interesting one. Uh, then Chicago-style wrestling in Franklin Park. Um, they're running a show Friday night as well. And AEW's Luchasaurus from the Jurassic Express will be there. And he's going to wrestle Marche Rocket in a featured match at Chicago-style wrestling. That ought to be fun. I mean, they're expecting an overflow crowd for that show as well. And then POW Entertainment's coming a little bit south. They're coming to Bridgeview, because usually they do shows either in the west or northwest suburbs. Bridgeview Park District, Saturday night, POW champion Taylor Sullivan faces Vic Capri in a Four Corners of Hell match. Should be a usual strong card from Jimmy Blaze and POW Entertainment. Any changes to your top five promotions right now, or are we still feeling the, the same way? You had AEW, both the NXT products. You liked Warrior Wrestling and AAW, if I'm not mistaken. Those were your big five. I mean, I think that's pretty much still like They're still holding firm as your top five. I do. Is there somebody on the outside looking in you think is is starting to look good? After seeing Freelance Underground in person for the second time, I mean, James over there does an amazing job with their shows. I love what they do, too. It's... um, it's family-friendly product, but at the same time, they have some edge to it as well. I mean, it's a good show. You give you two and a half hours of solid wrestling, um, a lot of the good characters and storylines going on there. So they're probably right in the mix Keep an as eye well. on Freelance. They may, they may break into the top five. Yeah, Freelance Wrestling and Freelance Underground. Both of them. Both very strong promotions and, they're and both very separate fun promo- And they're promotions. both separate promotions. Yes, they are run separately. Uh, they do have some talent that works both of those companies. Okay. But yeah, they are separate shows, but they're both very good and in their own way with their, with their style and their matches. Excellent. My friend, that's it. Show's done. You packed a lot in the 30 minutes. Yeah. I think when people come to Windy City Slam, uh, they know that they're going to get an awful lot of wrestling information in a very short amount of time, and that's what we aim to do for you. Every single Tuesday when you wake up, Windy City Slam podcast is available to you. If you are listening right now and can hear the sound of my voice, you are listening on some sort of podcast player hit the subscribe button, give us a rating, give us a review. We would love to hear what you have to say. It continues to spread everywhere. I believe this is episode five now, right? Correct. Yeah, we're at so number five. So we are applying for our Spotify spot, and we should be on Spotify within the next couple of weeks once they approve it and add all the shows on there. Make sure you subscribe and check out everything that Mike has to offer at WindyCitySlam.com. We'll see you next week, bud. Say that my soul is a stone